0: welcome to talent takeover unfiltered when it comes to working hard and keeping it real we know our shit. self-care happiness inner peace and time i'm brianna rooney and this is taylor bradley hey y'all and we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form so taylor what are we doing here today we're here to give you a raw under the hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long underrated industry that's full of quote unquote experts. All right. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Hello. Welcome to another amazing episode of Talent Takeover Unfiltered. You might be wondering, wait, someone is missing. Yes, the wonderful, fabulous Taylor Bradley is not on today. So sorry about that. I'm sure she'll be on the next one. Uh, But I have an amazing guest, Amy Silverman, who is the director of recruiting at Chime. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be chatting with you. Woo, nice. Okay. So we are going to dig, and I got to tell you guys, I I get very excited in all of these, but we're going to talk about how to scale a company at any size, at any time. Um, And the reason I get excited about this is because as we've seen so many layoffs so long, I mean, Amy, you've been in recruiting for a really long time. You've seen a lot of this. We've seen the cycles. I want some sustainability, right? (laughs) How do we How do we do that? Because it it all starts with how do we scale correctly? So walk us through quickly, you know, how did like, you've had quite a journey in your career so far. So I would imagine you're pretty passionate about this subject. Yeah, definitely. I, um, as most people
1: do, landed in recruiting kind of on a whim. Went to the University of Illinois down in Champaign-Urbana and studied advertising and communications and figured that would be the, the path that I went down. And I actually met somebody who said, Amy, you have a really good personality for recruiting. Have you ever thought about it? And I was like, recruiting? Like, what is recruiting? What's this all about? Uh, and so she said, well, why don't you come in, in shadow and, and kind of see see if you like this whole recruiting thing? And I did and got offered a job You know, shortly after that, started my career doing third-party agency recruiting. I learned a ton about the recruiting space and, and just sort of like how the whole thing works. Um, and then... Went over to Groupon, very early stage Groupon days. I, I'm based in Chicago, and there was really no tech in Chicago at all. So you know, Groupon was kind of like the first tech company in Chicago that was was growing and scaling quickly. Uh, so built out their marketing, design, creative functions, bunch of other teams. Uh, very like I said, very early on, was there for almost six years, um, and saw it kind of go through its its high points uh, and and kind of then jumped off the, the Groupon coupon factory roller coaster and went over to few uh, Facebook, well now Meta, but when I was there it was Facebook uh, I was there for about two and a half years and, and built out and, and scaled their leadership functions across the family of apps, so think Instagram, Facebook uh, WhatsApp, Oculus sort of across the board um, and then a former coworker of mine from Groupon said, hey Amy, we're, we're building out a, a Chicago office uh, for a little company called Chime, would you be interested? And uh, kind of learned a little bit about our mission and kind of what, what Chime was all about and really loved it. Uh, so decided to join, been with Chime for over four years. When I started, there were under 200 employees, and now we've got about over 1,200 or so. So lots of growth, short amount of time, really fun. I was one of the first, I think I was the second employee in Chicago. Um, wow. We've got you know, over 100 in Chicago now. So
0: lots of lots of moving and grooving, which has been fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's hard for me not to start at Groupon because when you said roller coaster, I I also I was a um, contingency recruiter. So like I know all of the Groupon, like that's what was like the heat of my recruiting career. <laughs> and I, I definitely saw a lot over there. Um, so with all of I mean, because you have you have like name brands on on, you know, your your resume and your your uh, journey. What is the hardest part of scaling?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's really just taming the Wild West, right? You come in and there's a lot of things going on and it's really about figuring out what to tackle first. Um, and I think sometimes what happens is folks can get really overwhelmed because it feels like, well, maybe there's no process and maybe there's no tooling and maybe there's no this and that. And so you can kind of get like sucked into this. Well, what do I do first and, and how do I do it? And I got to make sure it's perfect. And yeah. I think that's where people tend to get kind of stuck. Um, And so my thought is, all right, if you don't have the budget for, you know, some big fancy tool that that's okay, you can kind of build it and, and do it on your own. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And as you continue to build and scale, you'll make a use case as to why you may need the budget for X, Y, and Z, and it'll continue to get better over time. But it's really taking that first actionable step to doing anything. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get hung up.
0: Yeah. So how do you when you talk about having budget, like how lean have you had to be? I know like as we're starting to tighten things up even again, but I'm sure imagine you're it was pretty lean in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I've
1: I've done things out of, you know, Google Sheets and just I'm sure as, as everybody has um, to, to kind of like build reporting and build things like that all the way through having, you know, amazing tooling that that you can kind of use to to pull things. Even so far as I've worked in in places and and scaled where we didn't have any ATS and we were using, you know, email as a form of of an ATS, which is obviously not sustainable or scalable. But, you know, you have to work with what you have and you also have to be able to understand how to explain recruiting to people that don't work in recruiting. Because I think sometimes people think recruiting is like easy, right? You know, it's like, how hard could it be to, you know, get on the phone and get somebody to come and work here and, you know, why is this so challenging and all these things? Why do we need to spend money on it? And I think once people start to see the value of recruiting and the value of people and talent at their company, then they start to to want to invest for it. Because at the end of the day, your human capital is the most important thing that you have in your
0: entire company, right? Like that. that's my concept you are giving me chills over here because (laughs) oh my god um i i once had someone tell me that a monkey could do my job so thank you person for that uh yeah that's just no monkey i think i don't know (laughs) that was many years ago and i just will never forget that i was so insulted um but yeah so hiring is literally the most important thing any company does it's like so i I, i'm building a course on um, how to recruit for startups because that's its own separate you know the beast Um, like as we're talking about sustainability. And so I was kind of doing research around what I wanted to deliver, but like working with startups, working lean, and then now seeing why do startups fail? And one of the main reasons is because they didn't have the right talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the communication wasn't together or they didn't, you know, so that like, I totally agree. Talent is absolutely 100% the main, the main component. And then also keeping it together, retention and yeah,
1: absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the right people and the right rules, you're gonna have to do your job all over again. So we always say that when we're, you know, talking to candidates too. I always tell this to my team when they're about to close a deal and, and chatting with somebody that might be joining the company. We're not in the business of convincing you why you should take a job that you don't want to take or doesn't make sense for you. Because at the end of the day, you'll just leave and we'll have to refill the job. So it's basically like putting water in a bucket that has holes in the bottom of it. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure that you're suited for the role and that you're going to be successful. We're setting you up for success. You're excited. It makes sense for you. um, Because otherwise, you know, we're just going to have to do it all over again. So at the end of the day, I think sometimes recruiters can get a bad rap, like, oh, you're just trying to push me into a role or push me into doing something. And that's not the business that we're in at all. We want to make sure that you're going to be successful at the end of the day.
0: Okay, I love that. So then are your goals, like your recruiting goals, are you guys think about like what your closing rate is? Because that's definitely part of a metric that we talk about. Sure. I think
1: closing rate is important, but I I think fundamentally more important than closing rate is candidate experience. And on on top of that, um, I think the other metric that you have to think about is the difficulty of the search that you're working on. Right. If you're working on a pipeline search of you know, I don't know, entry level, customer service folks, let's say, that's going to be a a much different close rate than a senior director, director, VP search that might be a little bit more challenging. There might be some more nuance to it. Um, So I I think you have to take into account the challenge, challengingness, it's not a word, but the (laughs) difficulty, (laughs) difficulty one day, bear with me, the difficulty of a search to, to really understand the close rate that's tied to that. And I think across the board we tend to get into this place where we make one universal metric and we use that to measure a bunch of different things without thinking about the nuances. Sometimes folks do that with diversity, sometimes folks do yes,
0: that,
1: you know, close rates, people do that with a bunch of things and I try to really tell the whole narrative because I think that's really important when not only when you're just scaling and building something, but even when it's built and you're in maintenance mode, uh, it's just as important to understand what you're measuring and how it's being talked about and sought about.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? No, hundred uh, percent. I think that's great, especially like my, my ears perked up when you said diversity and inclusion, you know, those numbers, because like that's its own separate beast, probably its own separate like webinar. Because well, okay, I have I have asked this. When scaling, when scaling, when do you sit like, hey. Let's not forget about this. Let's stop because I I know, like I've worked with lots of seed companies, Series A, right? They're fresh. Like all they're thinking about is we have something to build. They're not thinking of anything else. How we do it? Are we doing it right? Anything? So, at what point do you sit down at the table with them and been like, we're not thinking this through. We're thinking only about the fr- next three months. Can we yeah. think past that? So, I think there's a couple of things at play. First
1: of all, whenever you get into a new company and you're scaling really in any role or recruiting aside, you have to build trust, right? And so how do you build trust? So I think about building trust with data because I could tell you all the feelings I have in the world and that's all fine and well. And I personally think my feelings matter, but you know, the business may not, right? And so coming to the table with data is way more important than saying, I think or I feel. It. And so I think you start to build trust by coming to the table with data. First. And the, what the data shows historically is that Companies that are the most successful tend to be diverse and tend to match their user base. So when we think about things, we think about, I always use the phrase like, do our insides match our outsides? So does our company match the member base and a user base that we're going after? Uh, And at the end of the day, if the answer to that is no, then I think the argument becomes, well... You can't build something that's going to be successful. You can't scale something that's going to be successful if you don't understand the users that you're serving. And the only way to understand that user base is to have this diversity of thought within your organization. And so it's sort of this like chicken or the egg scenario where you have to kind of like walk it back to get folks to kind of like understand
0: and buy into that value. So that's kind of my thought on it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So at what, and I don't, doesn't matter what company, but what was the biggest ask as far as headcount? Like has anyone said, All right, here's a hundred. Here we need fifteen hundred. Like what, what was the biggest ask at one time? Yeah. I mean, we've we've I've, I've had a lot.
1: Uh, you know, I think there's been points where I've had recruiters on my team working on like forty five recs at a time, which is a pretty big, you know, and, and these aren't like pipeline searches. We're talking about like nuanced individual recs that they make. Oh my god. On on top of maybe a pipeline of like 20 or 30. So they're, they could be working on 80 recs at a time, which is, it, certainly that's not the case currently. But I've I've worked in places and, and built places where that has been the case. Um, when I think about like recruiter capacity and when I think about like building and scaling, I like to look at that number. And the first thing that I like to have the business do is prioritize. Because realistically, I know that it's really kind of, fun to be like, okay, we need to hire like a thousand people. Let's open all a thousand recs at one time. Right. But like, that's not realistic. And that's also going to be a recipe for failure. And so what you have to do is you have to think about, okay, I have a recruiting team the size of X, Y, and Z. I need to hire a thousand people. How are we going to break this down? And looking at the business, what are the, you know, top recs that are going to be most important and how do we sort of like work backwards? Yeah. To achieve those those things, instead of being like, yeah, let's just open the floodgates and you, know, you know open a thousand wrecks, like not going to be successful. Your employer brand is not going to to look good doing that. So there's a bunch of sort of like negative connotations that can come with that, and so you have to be really thoughtful because you only have one chance to do it, and so you've got to do it right, um, and you've got to kind of understand how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So is there ever a time where like they said, okay, here's here's a thousand wrecks? Right. And you're like, and they're like, nope, I don't care what you say. We have to fill these thousand recs by, you know, six months or whatever it is, right? Something crazy. Where you say, all right, well, then here's my plan. I'm going to need agency help over here. I'm going to need this much more for my team. I'm going to need this tools. Like, do you actually then lay it out completely in its entirety? 100%. Yeah, yep, 100%. So that, that would be a situation where I would do exactly that. So I would
1: figure out what's the recruiter capacity realistically without them burning out and breaking. Um, what's our, you know, recruiter coordination capacity, Mm -hmm. but even more important than that, what's our interviewer capacity? Because I think that's where we tend to break, right? You think, all right, we'll hire a thousand people. We'll just interview them, whatever. Well, do you want your salespeople also selling? Do you want your engineers also engineering? Do you want, you know, your compliance people also doing compliancy things? Like, or do you just want them interviewing? Because if you're saying to me, you can give... 100% hundred percent of your time to interviewing, then sure, let's open them all up. Let's let's go for it. But if you're saying I can give you twenty to thirty percent of my time to interview in the week, then we're gonna have to scale back what that looks like. So to me, that's like the biggest thing because otherwise you're gonna have folks interviewing candidates from, you know, nine in the morning till five PM And we've also done things, you know, I've been a part of things where we've done uh, interview dates where we've like a sprints, like you've done yeah. sprints, right? Yeah, exactly. we put them together, huh. run them on like a, a Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. We brought folks in, and you know, you also have to think about how does that impact candidate experience and the mess message that you're telling candidates. So there's a lot of other pieces that kind of come into play there. But at the end of the day, there have been situations where it hasn't been ideal, and unfortunately, we've just had to do it. But yeah, I think there's there's a lot of pieces that people don't think about. <laughs>
0: Yes. So I was talking about that just the other day. Again, I was working with a seed funding company and they're like, okay, we like you're only sending us four resumes a week. Well, I'm like, well, you guys are like a really small company and you're telling me you need to build. So I'm trying to be mindful to time. Like, no, open it up. I'm like, okay. But so then, so of course we open it up and I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to work them through that. You know, there's like that fine line, right? Especially when you're not in the org itself. And so all of a sudden, Within two weeks now, I have people being like, "Hey, I can't even schedule on the hiring manager's calendar for another three weeks." Yep, exactly. Now now we're in a situation, and you're going to lose candidates that are really solid.
1: Uh, And so, to me, like I I preach this all the time, it's quality over quantity, and Mm -hmm. it's really thinking about how we can strategically do that. Because let's say you find a candidate that you know you you really want, you want to push them through, but there's no time for them to interview because the the folks that are interviewing are already all booked up. Well, now you're going to lose talent to a competitor because they're going to go right. interview somewhere else. Uh, and so you have to be really thoughtful about that stuff. Instead of just saying, "All right, a thousand. Let's just open a thousand. We'll just go one by one. We'll tick them off, and we'll be you know good to go."
0: Uh-huh. You know, what's funny is um, I always find that hiring managers are like, well, that's exactly why you need passive candidates because they'll wait. They're not actively looking. But what I feel like they don't understand is the moment you get a pa- true passive candidate, they're now looking. You've now put it into their mind that there's probably something really, there's some cool stuff out there, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden it, it's like, well, wait, you said they, were, they weren't they were actively looking. Well, they weren't yesterday, but they are today. And building, and
1: building a talent community and, and building pipelines like super important, but you also have a lot of times, where you have really niche roles, and you're not going to build a pipeline for every single bespoke role that you have. So, certain things you can absolutely build pipeline for. So, call it like you know, PMs, designers, engineers, you know, maybe analysts, whatever the the you know large populations might be. Uh, but then there's going to be these sort of like nuanced roles, whether it's creative roles or, or other things where you know, you're going to know who the top 10 candidates are. And there may not be more than 10 people that you even want to go after for that role. Um, And so it doesn't even matter if you pipeline or not, because the top talent is those 10 people. And you have to think about strategically, how are we going to attract and entice those 10 people to engage with us?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's own separate scaling problem. So I, I can't believe we're already coming up, up up on time right now. So, but I, I have, I have, I'm like, oh my god, geez, I got to keep track of this. Uh, so here, I have to ask this question: How do you balance though trying to do something really quickly, trying to scale fast because you, you you're being innovative? You got to get the market first. You got to do all of these things where we talk about going back to the business. How do you have a fine line between holding strong on? You know, make sure the org's OK, making sure everyone's getting onboarded properly, like all the other stuff that comes along with hiring that I think a lot of people don't think about. So balancing like that and speed, is that yes. your question? Yes.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough You know, I don't think that there's like a perfect science to it that I have it cracked perfectly. Uh, but I, I do think that one of the best ways to make sure it, that you can do that is going back to like what I talked about with interviewer capacity. It's looking at the infrastructure that you have to bring these people into, and are you going to be able to bring them into a place where they're going to be set up for success? Um, and if not, what are the areas that we need to beef up? So are there trainings that we need to be working on? Uh, is there an onboarding uh, you know, structure set up? How are we thinking about uh, 30, 60, 90-day plans, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things like this where it doesn't even, I mean, it depends how big the company that you're scaling is, if there's an HR function already or not. If there is sort of a people partner function, there's got to be a really tight relationship between, between recruiting and that people partner function. Um, and if there isn't, then recruiting is going to have to really think about some of those things and start to think about how do we build that infrastructure to set these people up for success. And sometimes that means like taking a beat and being able to sort of like build that to, to, to be successful. And I think at the end of the day, like I said, showing through the data why that's important, you yes. will absolutely get the buy-in from senior leaders as long as you start to bring in the most important hires first so that the progress can start to begin. And then you can start to kind of like scale from there.
0: Yeah, it's almost like giving the business a little time to breathe. You guys breathe. You keep doing what you need to do. And now we're going to move this other part. Uh, but I would imagine hiring managers or, or different functions are kind of like fighting. They're like probably pulling recruiting. No, mine's more important. Yours is more important. Like, do you find yourself being a like a mediator sometimes? Oh, for sure. You you, yeah. you have to kind of be able to
1: sometimes just like you might get like a he said she said sort of a thing, and you've got to get everybody in the same room and have a conversation. Uh, to me, I think about it through the lens of asking questions. I think you tend to get a lot more information that way. So what questions can I ask to kind of get folks to figure things out, you know, on their own and, and start to kind of like unwind. Um, and then I can kind of jump in from there and be like, you know what, that that totally makes sense. Let's, you know, let's run with that. Uh, but yeah, it's sometimes recruiting, I'm sure folks have said this before, it's a lot of like herding cats. It's a lot of like trying to get everybody's message across and who's doing what and who said this and just kind of like getting everybody united to like understand how we're going to move forward. <laughs>
0: nice. I actually know a, uh, I have a recruiting friend that I've known for a really long time. Actually her title is hurting cats. Yeah, it's totally true. You know, and uh, it's, it's definitely one of
1: those things where it's like, you know, you, you, it's part of the job being able to, to kind of like communicate and kind of piece the threats together for everybody. that sort of kind of comes with the territory. <laughs>
0: My God, I love it. So Amy, I I, I got to end it. I'm sorry. Um, I, first, I, I want to know your broke to boss tip. And also I'm just going to full blown ask you live. I feel like this is a webinar. I feel like this is something where people are going to they're going to have so many questions. I think we could have kept digging and we can have like a good 45 minutes chat on this. Are you in? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, put you on the spot. All right. What's your broke to boss tip? What's the main thing? One person one thing they got out of this? I, I think the
1: biggest thing is lead with data, uh, be strategic. And I know this is more than one thing, but I'm I'm giving you a step by step here, like yeah, lead with data, but be strategic, uh, and really start to build trust and build relationships because at the end of the day, that's going to be really what helps you. And, and also process driven. Uh, we didn't really get into that; we didn't really have time. But I think having yeah. really strong recruiting process that you can kind of bank on is Going to it's just like working in a restaurant. Restaurants that are successful have really good systems, they have really good process in place. Same thing with recruiting. Really good systems, really good process in place tends to make you successful. Uh and and really think about uh that diversity. Think about structure that you're building and make sure that you're you're filling the bucket with talent that's gonna be sustainable for the long term.
0: Yes. I love it. Amy, thank you so much. Remember, you guys can also watch this on the Millionaire Recruiter YouTube. Uh, but thanks. We'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye.